I'd ask you to open your Bibles with me this morning. We're going to be in the New Testament Gospel of Luke, and this morning we are in chapter 12, and we're going to be studying two verses, actually, that are going to put us in context that we're looking at today as we continue in our sermon series entitled Deep Emotion. We've been looking at these qualities that God has given us, has built into us, but these qualities of emotions that have a tendency to be misused improperly. I know as tough as you are, there was a time, there was a time in your life when you were afraid. It might have been when you were a child, it might have been when the lights went out and you crawled into bed. It it, it may have been on your first day of school that you were afraid. It may have been on that day when you had to go into the hospital and have a cast put on your arm because maybe you broke it, you fell off the monkey bars, right? Honestly, you might be afraid right now. There are some people who haven't been to church in a long time and walk in the door thinking the lightning thing's going to happen, right? We've heard about that. I wonder, though, if fear has ever crippled you. Maybe it's something like driving at night. We adjust, right? Maybe it's um, public public places. Maybe it's uh, public speaking. Maybe it is uh, around, you know, we're still kind of in a pandemic uh, period, and, and there's still after effects, right? Maybe it's, it's being around others. These are all reasonable fears. The reason that we're studying deep emotion and we're studying this morning fear is because our emotions when they're improperly used, when they're improperly put into our behavior or modifies our behavior, it puts us in a position to be tempted to act outside of God's will. I'll be honest. Let's all be honest. It might be that the reason that you haven't shared your faith with people at your job is fear. Maybe it's the reason why on issues surrounding, you know, the principles, biblical principles of life, the reason that we go with the flow, why? Fear. Some people would say that the worst decisions in their entire life were made because of peer pressure. That's fear. That's a fear of not being accepted. Some people get lost within themselves and and in the safety of their own mind or in the safety of 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 a corner that they back into and isolate themselves from others because of fear. It's that emotion that we were created with, but when it's out of control, it leads to a mess. Every time that we have a disaster in our world, or, or maybe there's a, another mass shooting that we're mourning, or there's a tornado somewhere, you'll start seeing on your Facebook wall, you'll start seeing people say and have a little, maybe bumper stickers that say, faith over fear. You've heard that, right? Faith over fear. And that all sounds good. Those three words sound really good for somebody who's not afraid. For somebody who's not staring into the hurricane right now, it's a lot easier to say, oh, faith, you know what, faith over fear. 
When all you see and when all you can perceive is terror that is big and is huge and is bigger than your faith, that's what you're going to see, right? Something's going to be bigger than the other. Your faith or your fear is going to be bigger. One of those you're going to recognize first. So let's look at fear. Why is it so torturous to some people, but then other people actually invite fear in? There's people among us and and even people probably right here that spend really good money to go and watch a horror movie, purposefully putting themselves in a position to be afraid. It's that, that, that rush. There's something about it that is enticing that people pull into. Then there's also... And you've seen this before, too. You're standing in a big, long line out in the sun, and there's this guy. He's big. He just left a kid up with one arm, right? And he's the guy. He's like, ah, there's a bee, right? Just a small little bee flying around, and the guy gets out of line. He's running around, right? And she's like, why? It's just a bee. But it's not. It's not to him. You know, little things like that, they can, they can be the, the end of the world for some people. It does. It seems like, ah, oh, it's just a bee. We've learned in the last couple of weeks in our sermon series that our English language, we see how inferior it is to the original Old Testament Hebrew, the translation of Hebrew into Greek in the Old Testament and the Septuagint, and we we see in the original New Testament Greek that English really gives us a problem when we're looking at this. In, In Hebrew, there are 40 different words that are used to describe fear. In English, the Bible uses one. In Greek, there are three different words that we see the Bible uses to, to speak about fear. And again, in English, we have one. We have the same word that is describing terror and horror and distress and dread, but it's the same word that we also use to describe reverence and awe and respect and worship. I want you to look at this with me. We are in Luke chapter 12. I'm going to start in verse number 4. We're going to read 4 and 5. These are the words of Jesus. Jesus says this. He says, Dear friends, don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They can't do any more to you than that. But I'll tell you whom to fear. Fear God, who has the power to kill you and then throw you into hell. Yes, he's the one to fear. Jesus is telling his audience at this time. He's saying, to be afraid of what, don't be afraid of what God will do, be afraid of what God can do. You need to know, God can do this. Here's point number one in your notes this morning. For those of you joining us for the first time in your bulletin, on the back of your bulletin, you'll find some fill in the blanks, and I'm going to give you those, and they'll be up here on the screen as well. Point number one in your notes this morning is this. There is a difference between fearing God and fearing God, and as Christians, we must do both. There is a difference between fearing God and fearing God, and as Christians, we must do both. Both. Here we have two different uses on the same word. In this context, we're going to look first at what we will describe as fear in the, in the idea of being fearful and terrified, horrified, and be afraid. In the Greek language, it's the word phobeos. 
that describes fear. It's where we get our English word phobia from. I understand there are some Christians that are going to argue with this point that will say, well, God is love, and everything that God does is loving, then we should have no reason to fear a loving God. That's the same point when I was growing up to say, you know what, my father loves me, and I've, you know, he's got a belt, and he'll use it. You've got no reason to fear that belt as long as my behavior and my grades were good, right? As Christians right now, some might want to argue the fact that we should or we shouldn't be afraid of God. But some of you, I know, had a mother when you were growing up that said this, I brought you into this world, right? I'm going to take you out of this world. See, so we can relate to what Jesus is telling us here. That is God. It's not that he will, it's that he can. I don't know any child that really thought that mom was going to take you out of this world, but you feared the fact that she could, right? As humans, we fear things that are bigger than us, things that have the ability to do things that we don't understand. That's God. We rightfully have a fear of the unknown. We should. We should have a fear of a deep, dark cave where there might be sleeping bears in the back of that cave. That would be a good idea to be fearful of that. It might be healthy to have a fear of heights because your first fall might be your only fall. Fear keeps us careful. That is fear under control. Fear also can keep us isolated. That could sometimes be fear out of control. Now for those who are at home watching, I don't want you to get the impression that, it, that you're at home and I know that you're at home and I know that we are still isolating ourselves. The isolation that we find ourselves in right now, still after a pandemic, this is an absolute reasonable fear. This is caution that we use in these cases. It's being careful. God's told us to be careful. We have to discern the situations. God, though, however, does use, we're not told to, but God does use fear to cause terror. God used fear in the Old Testament. His people Israel were moving across, uh, were moving across the desert from Egypt into the Promised Land, about a thousand miles that they're walking, and the nation had won some battles, they had lost some battles, but God wanted them to be feared. He wanted them to know that this is his people. Watch this in Deuteronomy, I'm in chapter 2, verse 25. God says this, beginning today, I will make people throughout the earth terrified because of you. When they hear reports about you, they will tremble with dread and fear. This is his people. This is God using an emotion that he has created. You know, over the years, it seems like we see stories about this every now and then. People have been afraid of UFOs. Isn't this weird to have UFOs come up in a sermon? It's this idea that, you know what, there's going to be, here's the, this 
flying saucer kind of thing that's coming down. It's not making any noise. You can jet this way. You can jet that way, right? And there's this, it's going to come down to the ground. This big green man is going to come down this ramp. Big lights behind him and right? He's going to come out and he's going to zap everyone with his laser eyes, right? Mm, Why do people fear this? Well, because it's an unknown. It's something that, like, I really don't know. We think, oh, there's a legitimate reason to fear things that that we don't understand. A small army of men has a legitimate reason to fear a large army of men. God gave you life. God can take it away. But Jesus says, God has more power than that. See, this is important. Honestly, the idea of being killed, of losing my life, Jesus is saying, yeah, that's something to worry about, but anyone can do that. Anyone here could take my life. God, Jesus is saying, God can do more than that. He's one to fear. He can throw you into hell. God can also build you a mansion in the heavenly realms for you to spend eternity with him. No person can do that. No one here on earth can do that. That's something only God can do. Fear has this tendency to immobilize us. It could seriously affect our behavior. It's especially true of those who don't have a spiritual commitment to Christ or maybe those who are very young in their faith. These are worldly fears. Jesus' father, earthly father, Joseph, he was afraid. He was afraid to bring his family back from Egypt into into Israel. At one point, he, he feared that his family would be killed. We saw the leaders of the Jews who feared the crowds very often. It's common. But it's not the spiritual fear. But rather, this is... This is more of a fear of maybe like, like a cowardice or, or a, a dread of dangers and, and demons and, and this idea of fearing enemies, even enemies of, of death. It's that secular fear. The other side of that, the other side of the word fear that we're looking at is this awe, this reverence, the majesty of God. I like to imagine standing out on a beach, just looking out at the ocean. Maybe you're the only person on the beach for miles. You just can hear the waves. And you just stand there and you look out at the ocean and at the water. You just take in the beauty of this huge, huge body of water that God created And your instinct tells you that it's dangerous, even as beautiful as it is. You could go in. Many people do. But you have to have respect for that. You have to be able to look at the ocean and say, okay, there's a certain way that I can interact with this majesty of God's creation. Because if I treat it wrong, it will overpower me. You can't walk on the bottom of the ocean all the way until, an, until you get to another country. The ocean will win. But if you respect the ocean, you can witness its beauty. 
You can harness its power. You can, you can feed off of its fish. You can enjoy sailing on its surface. The fear of God begins with the respect of God. It is the reverence for God. It's the ability to simply be in awe of God. Read this in Job. Chapter 28, verse number 28 says this. And this is what he says to all humanity. The fear of the Lord is true wisdom. To forsake evil is real understanding. You see that? Wisdom comes in fearing God. That's not coming from being afraid. No, that's coming from reverence. Psalm 33.8 says this, Let the whole world fear the Lord and let everyone stand in awe of him. Let everyone see his majesty. It might be difficult for some of us to stand in awe of God whom you haven't seen and if you find that difficult, I would ask you to stand in awe of God's work. Maybe you can see the creator through his creation and really see how majestic he is, how powerful he is. I wonder if you ever stood quietly at the rim of the Grand Canyon and just looked out at this amazing piece of artwork that only God can create and you just stand in awe of him. I wonder if you've ever held a newborn baby and you say, wow, look at what God can do. Or maybe you've laid back on a blanket in the front yard at night and you look up at the stars and just listen to the quiet and you can just sit back and realize the amazement and the mighty power of God. That's a reverent fear of God. It's not being terrified of God but rather it's willingly giving God the respect and the honor that he deserves for simply being who he is. There's a difference between fearing God and fearing God, and as Christians, we should do both. Here's point number two in your notes this morning. I want you to write this one down too. Christians should be in fear of not pleasing God. Let me explain this one. Growing up, some of us may have had a fear of not pleasing our parents with our grades. I wonder if you ever got out of bed in the middle of the night, found your way to your mom's purse, found the keys, her car keys, but you, but you pried that, that, that key ring around and you just started taking off the post office box key and you slid that off. And I wonder if I wonder if after school the next day you decided that you were going to stop by the post office box and check the mail because you might have remembered that report cards were mailed out a couple of days ago. And, and I wonder if maybe there was a grade on your report card that you knew was not going to please your parents. So there was a reason that you made this trip. And I wonder if maybe you came home and you went to bed and about the time you Turn off the lights, your mom turns on the lights and say, why did I find the key to the post office box in your fanny pack? Maybe just, maybe just me. But I bet there's been decisions that you have made in the past that have been acted upon simply so that you don't bring disappointment to somebody else. 
that's happened, that we do things or we don't do things in order not to disappoint somebody. One of the greatest fears that advertisers use in commercials and on almost anything that you'll see on the side of a bus, it could be on a pop-up ad, it's what we call the fear of loss. You'll hear this in commercials, things like, you know, get there before they're all gone. You'll hear, you know, to the last three days. Only good for the, for the first 25 callers. You know what that is? It is creating, it's creating a fear in your mind. It's a purposeful manipulation based on fear. If you don't act now, you're going to lose an opportunity at something either you want or you think you want or somebody just told you that you want. I wonder if as Christians, if we're living our lives with a fear of disappointing God. Now, I don't want you to put words in my mouth and I'm not talking about losing your salvation. No, I'm talking about God being disappointed in us. I wonder if we live our lives with that fear. It's not just a fear of God's power, but it's a, 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 a wholesome dread of displeasing him. It's different from failure. We can all try hard and fail. And, and most fathers are not going to be disappointed in you if you try and if you fail. They might be disappointed, though, if you fail, but you didn't even try. Or maybe they're disappointed in your effort. Or maybe they're disappointed in the words that, that they heard you say when they came around the corner and you were talking with your friends and you didn't know that dad was listening. Maybe that's what's going to disappoint them. Maybe they're disappointed in the actions that you took on a Friday night. It's the first time that they let you go out with friends by yourself. And at some point that evening, you know that something you did is going to make it to mom and dad tomorrow. And you already know that they're going to be disappointed. You know that tomorrow morning when mom and dad find out, it's not going to be the discipline that hurts you. It's going to be the disappointment. Remember that? Remember that feeling? That's natural. Actually, to tell you the truth, the first man on earth experienced this. So there was this guy, Adam, okay? So his whole life, he's been hanging out with his father, God, in the garden. And he's strolling through the garden with his new girl, Eve. They wander off one day. And then there's this whole snake thing and, and then eating the apple thing and they weren't supposed to do it. They were told not to do it and then they did and God's wandering around the garden looking for Adam and he calls out to Adam and, and, and he finds Adam hiding out in the bushes. Man, that's just like high school. It's like finding the kids underneath the bleachers, right? This is, this is what, what uh, God said, Adam. Adam replied, he says this in Genesis 3.10, he says, I, I heard you walking in the garden, so I, I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. That's what Adam says. So Adam's like, um, yeah, I was, I was just, I heard you walking around the garden, and I was with this girl, and I was afraid. We didn't have any clothes on. I was afraid of getting caught. See, God already knew. Of course, there's going to be discipline, but boy, was there deep disappointment. How do you feel that, that, that Adam would have felt? Imagine you were Adam, realized that, that you were the pinnacle of God's creation, and you were told that this is one rule. You don't eat this fruit. The only thing you're told not to do 
God loves you so much. He let you name all of the animals. He took a rib from you. He took a bone from you and created another human out of it. And look what you did. You just simply, you broke his rule. You disappointed God. I'd take the belt any day over disappointing mom, over disappointing dad. As Christians, we should live with a fear that our actions are not pleasing to God. It's living with that fear that we will have to tell God, I'm sorry, God, I'm sorry I disappointed you. I want you to listen to the words of David in Psalm, this is Psalm 86. This is the boy who killed a giant with a rock. This is a boy who would grow up to be king, become the king of Israel. And he's a boy turned into a man who also disappointed God with the act of adultery with Bathsheba. But listen to how deep his love is for God. In these verses, I'm in Psalm 86. David writes this, hear me, Lord, and answer me. For I am poor and needy. Guard my life, for I am faithful to you. Save your servant who trusts in you. You are my God. Have mercy on me, Lord. For I called you all day long. Bring joy to your servant, Lord, for I put my trust in you. You, Lord, are forgiving and good, abounding in love to all who call on you. Hear my prayer, Lord. Listen to my cry for mercy. When I am in distress, I call to you because you answer me. Among the gods, lowercase g, gods, see that? There are none like you, Lord. No, de no deeds can compare with yours. All the nations you have made will come and worship before you, Lord. They will bring glory to your name. For you are great and do marvelous deeds. You alone are God, capital G, God. Teach me your way, Lord, that I might rely on your faithfulness. Give me an undivided heart, watch this, that I may fear your name. I will praise you, Lord my God, with all of my heart. I will glorify your name forever. Do you hear fear being terrified in that? No, that's fear of reverence, fear of being in awe of a respect. That's words from somebody who has a deep, deep love for God and is, is praying for an undividing heart so I can fear and have reverence for your name. I want you to write this down. This is point number three, and this is so important. God does not give fear. I know this one's short, but it's so important. God does not give fear. There are many good qualities that God has given you, but he does not give fear. God does not give a timid heart. God does not give you a coward's heart. It is not a gift. I want you to see what the apostle Paul says to his apprentice Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1. Paul writes this, for God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power and love and self-discipline. God has given you a spirit to be bold. God has given you the ability to stand up. He has given you the ability to claim his name. Being passive, that's not from God. Being cowardly, that is not a gift from God. Paul mentions love and self-discipline. 
There's no self-discipline in running away. Running away is a reaction. That's not a discipline. Marathons take discipline. Jumping over hurdles takes discipline. Leaping over obstacles takes discipline. Running away and hiding in a closet, keeping our heart away from others, that's an uncontrolled reaction. That's not a gift from God. God gave you the power to act. Not the power to run, the power to act. So if God doesn't give fear... Who does? You know how easy it is to play on your fears? Within the last 30 minutes, we've learned that your peers played on your fears. We've learned that advertisers play on your fears. We've heard that your parents may have played on your fears. I'm telling you something that Satan is not going to do. He's not going to play on your joy. He's not, going to, he's not going to play on your reverence for God. No, he's going to play on your fear. Because somebody, if somebody gets a hold of your fear, they can control that emotion and they can now control you. That's the problem with uncontrolled emotions. What we do is we leave the control levers open for Satan to, to just turn them on and turn them off. He now can be in control of you when he's in control of your emotions. God does not give fear. Here's the last point that I want you to write down this morning. Jesus is the only Savior from fear. Jesus is the only Savior from fear. Our entire Christian faith is based on Jesus. If we were going to say, what does faith over fear mean? Well, that means that faith has to be bigger than our fear. Our faith in what? It's our faith in Christ. Has to be bigger than our fear. When you are scared, I want you to pick up your Bible. When you are frightened, I want you to pick up your Bible. When you, when you can't move, when you are frozen, I need you to pick up your Bible. And do me a favor. I need you to pick up a real Bible. Not the one on your phone. You know what Satan loves? He loves other apps. He loves pop-up ads. He loves to create a distraction as you're trying to read your Bible on your phone. You know what? Um, if you've got a physical paper Bible, page 1182, if you're in Luke, that doesn't have any pop-up ads on it. You can take that alone with you. Be alone with God. It gets everything else out of the way. Satan loves to interrupt your Bible time. So... The nice thing about God's word in that printed form is that you can take it, just you, and God's word. Finally, for, for many children who grow up in the foster system, many children can tell you, maybe they spend 18 years in the system, and fear would be a constant part of life. 
Maybe they entered the system as a baby, and by the time that they have their first memories, they can remember a family that they lived with, and that was not a good family. And that family may have just been, let's face it, in it for the money and passed them on to another family, right? And, and maybe by the time they're six or seven years old, this is a good family here. This is nice. But then for some reason, they don't want her anymore, and they just give her back to the state, and she ends up in another home somewhere else. And she carries fear with her because she doesn't know where her next home is going to be. She doesn't know who her next caretakers are going to be. But she does know this, that this road will come to, the, will come to an end at some point because she's heard from others that when she turns 18, that the system just kind of spits her out into the world. She looks ahead and she's not ready for that. There's a lot of kids that'll come out, will come out of the system at the end and realize they look back at 18 years and an emotion that they noticed that was a constant with them was the emotion of fear. Look what the Apostle Paul wrote to the Romans in chapter 8, verse number 14. Paul writes this, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's Spirit. When watch this, He adopted you as His own children. Now we call Him Abba, Father. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. Child, God is here. Do not fear. He says, I'm here. You are not alone. You are adopted into the family. You have a father. Isaiah 41.10 says this, don't be afraid. These are God's words, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. There are times when we feel alone. There are times, I know, when it feels like there's no one there to talk to. There are times when we have created for ourselves a place that we feel is safe and we only take ourselves there. We have let fear start driving our lives. And when fear is driving, you're not in control. You're not in control. The fear is in control. And it will take us places that we wouldn't go if God's in control. Joshua 1.9 says this. This is my command, God's words. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. You're not alone. You're not. Keep your Bible handy. We're going to need it. Are there things to be afraid of in our world? Yep, there are. Are there things worldly fears that we should have even in a time like this? Yeah, there are. But spiritual fears? We're not alone. We're not alone. One of the most famous 
scriptures in the entire Bible, it's probably something that you've memorized at one point, certainly something I did when I was younger. And it's a scripture that I really only can read or hear in the King James Version. It's just an older version. It's, it's the way that, that I've related to it. But I want to read you this. This is so important when it comes to our lesson on fear. This is the 23rd Psalm. It says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, through a, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. We're not alone. Fear. Fear can cripple us. It is a deep. to be controlled. Sometimes we feel that we're out. That we don't know how to control this. The answers are in his book. I wonder if we need to find some more time to be alone simply to spend time in God's word. To see what direction it is that I need to be going, not the direction that fear is sending me, but no, the direction that you want me to go, fearlessly, boldly, without any ounce of being timid or passive. No, God, I want to go where you want me to go. I want to follow you with no fear because you're in control. Lord, that's the heart I want.